0: Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Bill of Family Bible Church. I want to take a few moments of your time before this week's message to challenge you to be involved in a local church community. Now, we at Family Bible Church think it's really cool that we can provide online resources, and our prayer is that God would use them to grow you as a disciple and follower of His Son and our Savior Jesus. In fact, we believe He can do just that. And yet... We also know that it's vitally important that each one of us be involved in a local church community. Now, if you're already involved in a local church, then we say praise God and pray this is a blessing for you. But if you're not involved, I would like to invite you to join us any Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Highland Middle School in Highland, Illinois. We just know there's so much more that happens besides the preaching of the word. And if you don't get involved, you're missing so much. So consider that challenge, and with that being said, here's this week's message. We're going to continue in our, uh, in our study. We've been in, we're in week four. We have two weeks to go in this uh, series we've been doing. It's called um, Building Strong Families, uh, and uh, also known as to save, to save a Family. I've expressed to you why we're doing this. I want to remind you today on week four what we've been talking about together as a way of refresher. Um, the first week we spent talking about uh, gr- strong families and w- kind of character traits that they have. And the first thing that we talked about was that strong families know each other, right? That, that you communicate well, that you listen well. Too often that we think communication is talking better rather than listening better. That you would build intentional times in your lives with your family to really listen to them. And I pray that God's been kind of growing you in that in that way, since we've talked about it. The second week we talked about having a good fight. And I know that we've shared. And I've had plenty of opportunity to fight since then. I, you know, get it wrong a lot. But at least an awareness that God is bringing it to mind that we're not doing our best when we interact with one another. And so, remember uh, to try to have a good fight. Because we all have conflict. That we could seek resolution and be glorifying to God. Last week we talked about raising wise children. And you know, all week it's just been on my heart and mind for all this stuff. It's homecoming week, right? And we spent so much wanting our kid. I had never felt so much peer pressure, to be honest with you, since high school than I felt last night. Me. Peer pressure. Because my child was going to homecoming. And do we do we get him enough stuff? Do we take him to the right place? Do we, you know, and praise God that he got to go and he had a great time. That's awesome. And yet I wondered all week as we were scurrying about, you know, shopping and making sure that things were in order and making sure that we knew the times for everything and making sure being responsible parents and all this other stuff. Do we take the same concern over our children's wisdom? That was a question I asked myself all week this week. Am I instilling in my children the wisdom of God that they could be people of character and of conviction that I wouldn't have to worry about environments I send them to because God is with them and they know that. And so that's what we talked about last week is raising wise children to be followers of God, to be sold out and following him. And so I hope that that was a blessing to you, right? And I want to remind you in this whole series, because it can kind of start to sound like, well, y'all, you know, he's trying to have the perfect family and stuff. But what we're talking about here is strong families, right? We've been talking about it for, for four weeks, strong families. Strong families is the key, not perfect families, because they don't exist. I bet if any one of you, I sat down and I started talking about your family to me, you would, there be something that you would say, well, well, that wasn't the best it could have been. And I guarantee you, with my children and maybe with yours, they will say, it wasn't the best it could have been. Our goal to this whole series is to have strong families, not perfect families. And then today, as you saw a minute ago, we're going to talk about something that's unique to Christianity. That, that, that's, that's something that we have in, in Jesus Christ that will make all the difference in your family. It's a key. It's required. It's required. Uh, it's almost demanded scripturally from us because of who we are in Jesus Christ. And so as a way to kind of set the table today, I want to share a short video with you. By the way, this whole series was um, written uh, for a church, I think called New Song by a pastor. He didn't write it himself, ironically. Some staff wrote it with them and they kind of collaborated and then he, he wrote some stuff. And, but they actually also produced a movie, which you may have heard about. Students a few weeks ago said, this reminds me of this movie I heard about called To Save a Life. And I said, that's because it's the same church. They made a movie about this and then uh, after the movie, they made a kind of a small group study stuff and then, you know, pastor kind of put some stuff together for it and we've been studying it for the last four weeks. We have two more to go. And uh, in the series, so that's all the way to say. say I'm going to show you a clip. I haven't shown you anything so far on this deal, just because I've not felt compelled to. But uh, I would invite you know, you can check it out. The whole thing it's it's a it's a decent movie to watch. It's, it asks a, you know one of the things I've realized about our entertainment is we'd rather be entertained than challenged. You know, I mean, by far we'd rather watch someone just you know titillate us than to. Challenge us or grow us. And so this movie will actually challenge you and, uh, and it's really good stuff. So, but I want to show you this because I'm not sure if you're like, I'm not sure, you know, we talk about, we're talking about forgiveness today. I'm not sure what you face in your life. I'm not sure how high the, the bar is that you have to try to hurdle over. But I want to show you this clip about some, maybe some ways that um, other people have had to deal with some things. You know, the real deal is that we have real problems in our families. And I think sometimes we can come in into, you know, we enter into the word lightly and we just, we want the easy answers. We don't want to talk about real stuff. And, and um, you know, the, the, the real stuff that that family deals with is stuff that all of us deal with at one point or the other. I mean, I remember one time I was sitting in a service and, and, and there was a list kind of laid out of things that were going wrong. I remember sitting there thinking, I don't have any of those problems. Just wait. Because it's not a matter of if adversity comes, but it's a matter of when. And the problem is that for for real families having real problems, whenever things don't go like you'd hoped they'd gone, you find yourself needing something more. I mean, not needing something more like, you know, another Band-Aid. I mean, needing something more Like with your family. Going to a level that you thought you'd never maybe go to or have to deal with. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open your Bibles today. If you brought one along, I hope you did. If you didn't, you can have one of ours. We're going to look at Colossians 3. I just want to read this together as we talk about forgiveness. And then I want to get into the three principles we're going to talk about today. About strong families and forgiveness. Forgiveness. As you finish turning there, I'm going I'm to ask you to pray with me, as we always do, we we enter in the Word of God. Father, today, as we open your Holy Word, inspired divinely by you, for, all, for good purposes in our lives, we pray that your Holy Spirit would richly indwell our time, that you would be in our eyes and our ears and our mouths, that we could properly proclaim and properly understand your Word and how you're communicating to us. We've seen you do it repeatedly in our lives, Father, and today we just wait for you to do your will, to encourage us, to convict us, to challenge us, to grow us, to be more like Jesus. And that's why we're coming to you today in your word. We love you and thank you and we pray these things in his name. Amen. Just hear the word with me this morning. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with, compa- with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, from this text, we're going to talk about three. Approaches or three ways that we have to deal with forgiveness in our lives The first is this Great family members forgive Right This is a trait of a great family member They're forgivers That's how they work That's what they do Great family members get forgiven And great family family members Forgive themselves I want you to say this with me if you would this morning We're just going to go through the list again Great family members forgive Great family members get forgiven, and great family members forgive themselves. We're going to take these one at a time, and we're going to look at maybe why we do these things, or how we do these things is even better. So there's a few things here. Great family members forgive, right? And... I, this is one of those topics, we actually had a, a men's state on forgiveness, and, and it's one of those topics when you come to it, you go, how am I going to approach forgiveness? Like, where do you even start with forgiveness? Great family members forgive, that's a fact. That is, you want to be around people who are forgiving. That's the kind of people you want to be around. And so, great family members do this, but the question is, how do they do it? How do they forgive? And forgive. One of the things that we realize right away is that great family members have to find the motivation to forgive. They have to find a reason to forgive. They have to find something in their heart, something in their soul, something in their spirit that makes them desire forgiveness, to want it. Some of these reasons that we might see are as follows. Maybe it's just not to give the enemy a foothold in your life. You know, maybe you realize that if you, if you harbor unforgiveness, if you harbor hurts, if you harbor pain, you only give the enemy a chance to continue to work in your life, to continue to hold on. Have you ever had that feeling where you just want to forgive, and you just, but you say, I just can't forgive? Could it be that the enemy is there hoping to keep a stake, to keep a claim, to keep a small portion of your soul to say, just don't do it. So maybe your motivation is that you don't want to give your enemy a foothold in your life. Maybe your motivation is you want peace and not bitterness. You know, one of the biggest problems with not forgiving one another is that it affects us as much or more as it affects the one we're holding bondage over. Maybe you don't even know it and you just become bitter about something. Instead of that you might want a life of peace, not bitterness. So maybe your motivation is that, that you, that you want a place of peace in your life. Here's a good one. Maybe your motivation to forgive is that you could admit to yourself, and this might be hard for some of us, but you could admit to yourself that you're not perfect. Is that hard to admit? <laughs> when we look and we, we cast aspersions, when we look and we throw stones, when we look and we judge one another, and we do it so quickly in our lives, it just comes out of nowhere, and you find yourself in that place, do you ever stop to think, man, could I stand up to that scrutiny? Could I stand up to that same level of criticism from someone else? So maybe your motivation, you can find the motivation for forgiveness because you're not perfect yourself. And so because I'm not perfect You don't have to be perfect. And I can forgive you when something has happened between us. And the last one I want to share here is, is, and this is one that comes from the church, right? Maybe your motivation for forgiveness. This is expressed here in the word explicitly. is because Jesus forgave you. That's actually what I just said in Colossians, didn't it? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So maybe if all the other ones don't hold true for you, you know, if you're like, ah, I can fend off the enemy and, you know, I'm not that bitter. I'm only a little bitter, (laughs) right? Or maybe I think I am pretty perfect, actually, and, and that's fine. Maybe the final straw is you say, look, Jesus forgave me. And in the depths of my depravity and my total lostness without him, I can find it in my heart to turn to a brother or sister and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. This is the first step in forgiving one another. You have to have a motivation to do it. How else will you begin? How else will you do it? So the first thing is you have to find a motivation in your heart, in your heart of hearts, to want to forgive, to be passionate about forgiving. You know, we studied this a few months ago in Gospel-Centered Life. And we talked about being more concerned for someone else than ourselves. Being, wanting, forgiveness being wanting them to be free. Right? Not just that I'm going to stop skewing you every once in a while over the wrong, but I'm going to want you free. So that's the first thing you get got to find motivation. The second of how family members can forgive, can be people of forgiveness, is this. You must say the words... No, not hard to say, I forgive you. Right? Just three words, a few syllables, not very difficult. And yet, sometimes, they just get stuck. You know, you have a good intention, I'm going to forgive them someday, and, and maybe I'll get around to it. You know, whenever they, that's when I'll forgive them. Because the truth is that you really don't want to forgive. Strong family members forgive And when they do, they say the words, I forgive you. It's been said before that the three most powerful words in the English language are I love you. The three most powerful. It's also been said that the three most restorative words are I forgive you. It's really interesting. There was a a genocide in Rwanda right I maybe you're familiar with that at all there's been some books written and some movies written about it that's right you know one of the things they had was a forgiveness tribunal where they would bring people who were injured in the genocide and they would bring people who did injury in the genocide and they would make some ridiculous impossible to compensate for plan but the final act was forgiveness and they actually said the words I forgive you. So the first is you find the motivation to forgive. And the second is that you say the words. And then the third is this. Great family members say the words again and again. Now you might go, well, that's redundant. I forgave you once. Forgiven, forgiven, forget. It's over, right? It's done. You know, the problem that we have as humans in our heart is that we'll say, I forgive you. And then we'll slowly just reach back out. Hold on to that resentment. Why? Is familiar to us or you know, something more powerful than that? You know, C.S. Lewis wrote very powerfully about our lack of desire to forgive. It's one of my favorite works that he wrote called The Great Divorce. And about how when we stand before a holy God, we might be so tied to our unwillingness to forgive. We might be so tempted to just keep reaching and not let it go. And so he, in the same way, as we're talking about this morning, says, you practice this forgiveness. You forgive and you say, I forgive you. And then, whenever you find your heart reaching back into that bad place, you find your hand reaching out, wanting to clasp one more time onto the resentment or the hurt or the anger, and you say, No, I forgive you. And you do it again and again and again. You know, that's how disciples are made. So the first is that you find a motivation. The second is that you say the words. The third is you say the words again and again and again. And you exercise the forgiveness muscle as much as it takes until you really, truly are there. You're forgiven. You've forgiven someone. The fourth step in this how family members forgive one another is this. And this is where we get kind of confused and hung up a little bit. But the fourth step is that we begin to rebuild trust. This is how we forgive. So the first is that you find motivation. The second is you say the words and you repeat them and repeat them and repeat them in your heart. And and you repeat them out loud. And you mean it when you say it every time. And you're honest with yourself. And the the fourth is that you begin to rebuild trust in the relationship. Here's the truth. Forgiveness... Cannot be earned. It can only be granted. You can't get it unless someone will give it to you. And in the same way, other people, you can only give it to them. They can't earn it from you. They can't earn your forgiveness because you the debt is too great. You must write it off. But the second truth is just as true. Forgiveness can't be earned but must be given, but trust can't be given. It must be earned. When we talk about repentance, repentance is really turning and saying, not only am I sorry I did it, but I'm going to not do it anymore. I'm going to change. So, just like forgiveness must be given, trust must be earned, must be built. And so the fourth step in this process of forgiveness is you begin rebuilding trust. You say, well, it's going to take me a long time to trust them again. That's right, it should. It's a violation. But we do this and we begin slowly at first to trust again as the relationship develops. I want to share a quote that C.S. Lewis actually wrote. In a book, he, it was to a, friend, a note to a friend of his originally, and then it became a book later in life. And this is what C.S. Lewis said, you know, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of our time. And I know some of you think, well, he's long gone, right? But listen, this is one of the greatest writers of our time. This is what he said. Last week while I was at prayer, I suddenly discovered, or at least felt as if I did, that I had actually forgiven someone I had been trying to forgive for more than 30 years trying and praying that i might when the thing actually happened sudden as the long for cessation of one's neighbor's radio meaning as quickly as the radio fades away my feeling was well that was easy why did i do it a long time ago the truth is that for c.s lewis that came as such a revelation that finally after 30 years of longing it had happened he was there he had given forgiveness to someone else. You'll remember in the book of 1 John, which we just studied a little, a few months ago, uh, the word says this in John 1, 1 John 4.19. It says, we love because God first loved us. And just like in Colossians, we can take that as a verse and say, we forgive because Christ first forgave us. Our motivation, our heart we are willing to let it go. So, this is how family members forgive. And and we've kind of laid out some of the groundwork about how you do it anyway and what your, your motivation is in your heart. But the second thing we want to talk about is how family members get forgiven. Right? How how strong members family members can get forgiven. And this comes to the to the point. To the beginning, the end, the totality of who we are as believers in Jesus. This one word, I said it to you earlier, this one word is the, is the, one of the most unique things about Christianity. You know, there's a lot of people who tell you there's a problem. But not many people will tell you there's a solution. Our model for everything as a believer in Jesus is Jesus. He did it perfectly. And there's one word that I want you to hear today from Scripture, which we've talked about before, but I want you to hear it again. I want you to get it into your soul, into your being, about what we believe uh, that that Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for us. And the one word is tetelistai. It's a word that was recorded in the Gospel of Luke, and it's recorded as he was on the cross breathing his last and you'll recall that as he hung there a place that his disciples said you will never be a place that he had set his mind to go he says this word tetelestai Tetalisti means it is finished he says as he hangs on the cross it's over the debt is paid in full. At the time in the marketplace, that was the way that word was used. Ted Listai, it was something you would say, this debt is finished. You owe me nothing. There is no more. And in that place of the cross of Jesus, we can find this forgiveness that is eternal forgiveness. In that word, we can remember that he did it, and it's done once for all, perfectly for all people, for you and for me. This isn't unique to anyone. This is the same for everyone. This is unique to Christianity because here in our faith in Jesus, you have someone who doesn't just say there's a big problem, but Jesus says, here is the solution. I've done it. I finished the work of forgiveness. So the way that strong family members can be forgiven, can get forgiven, is believing and accepting what Jesus has done for them. Believing it. There's two things that we have to understand as we come to the cross of Jesus. This will make sense. The first is, you have to believe that you need to be forgiven. You have to have what what the word said is is a repentant heart. A heart that's open to the truth that you're not perfect. That you've done some things wrong. And even in your wrongdoing, you've sinned against God who is holy and righteous and pure. So the first is that you need to believe you need forgiveness. And the second is to receive it. The Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah in the flesh has come. You know, some folks have said, well, you know, I would believe it if I could just be shown how. Listen, this is a holy God who demands perfection and he offers it in his Son. And we have the audacity to say, well, what more can I do? All we can do is receive it. Favorite description of the gospel that I've heard lately, how to share the gospel, is this. It's one beggar showing another beggar how to find bread. You don't give anybody anything. You just go, man, I went to this guy, Jesus. And I went to his cross. And that place, I told you earlier, I had that moment where I said, I don't need anything. I'm fine. And then God showed me all the sin and all the failure and all the hurt and all the pain in my life. And in that place, I came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I gave my life to Him, and I said, God, I'm a sinner, and I need you. And we believe that we're beggars just saying, here's the bread, here it is for you. So it's something so simple as admitting that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, and then asking Jesus to be that for you. You can even pray something as simple as that. There's no big show, no big production needed. You can pray a prayer, Jesus, I'm not perfect. I've sinned and sinned against you. Today I want to receive you as my Savior. I want you to forgive me. I thank you for forgiving me for my wrongs and show me the right path. And in that place, you're changed. Maybe for you, you've never said it. Maybe for you, you're, you're holding out for just the right speech, just the right set of words, just the right truth be revealed. Today, I ask you to examine your heart and ask, is today your day? Not because of what I said, because of what Jesus did. It's today the day that you're like, I need forgiveness. If so, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I know it in my being. I need a Savior. And today I come to you and I receive it, your forgiveness. That you would forgive my wrongs, and you would show me your right path. Thank you for this, in your name. Amen. And just like that, something as simple as a few words from your heart in your place where you are right now. We sang a song earlier, Come Where I Am. That's where Jesus meets us. We don't go to Him, we don't get ready for Him. And in that place, I want to show you some miraculous things happen. In Luke 15:10, the gospel writer records this. There is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. That means that the moment that you utter those words from a place in your heart where you say, I'm a mess, and I need a Savior, and I want you to be my Savior, there are angels having a party in heaven. That's crazy. You want to have impact in the world. Think about what's happening in the other world. Think about what's happening in the truth of the place that we live. Luke says, rejoicing in the presence of angels of God, that there's a party in heaven. If you just prayed the prayer, there's a party right now. That's cool. You go, I didn't do much. Yeah. It's an eternal matter. I want to share with you a truth. If you prayed that prayer just now about who you are in Christ, and it comes from the psalmist. The psalmist, right? My favorite books of the Bible is the psalms because they're songs. They're glorious. They're true. I told you last week, Psalm, what was it? 119 we read. It's got the highs and the lows. The whole truth. And the psalmist writes this, "As as, As far as the east is from the west... That's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. I once heard it said, you know, you can find the North Pole and the South Pole, but you can't find the East Pole and the West Pole. They don't exist. Think about this book 5,000 years ago. Somebody wrote that down. As far as the East is from the West, you can never get there because you've been separated from your sin in Christ Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today, your sin has been removed. I'm going to ask you to do something today. If you prayed that prayer today and you grab one of these cards, and we don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask that you would check that box that says, today I accepted, I received the forgiveness of Jesus. Just so we can be praying for you, I want you to check that so we can be praying for you as you begin your journey with Christ. And the first two, you go, okay, that's cool. But the first two come to the third because, you see, the problem is that this is not yet complete. Because we know that strong family members forgive and we know that they get forgiveness themselves. But the third is this. Strong family members forgive themselves. And... and. Right. This is something that we we do because Jesus forgave us. Now, we already talked about because Christ first loved us, we love others. And here in this place, you can let yourself off the hook because Jesus did it. I've once heard someone say, How right is it of us to cling to sin that is forgiven by God? How right is it of us? to keep beating ourselves up repeatedly for sin that God has said, it's that way. So far you can't get there. And you're over here. And we stand over here acting like we're not forgiven in Jesus. The word says, forgiveness for yourself. Listen to what I'm going to, you can flip back if you want me to. We're going to look at Philippians. It's one book before Colossians. So if you're still in Colossians, you can flip back. If not, just listen with me. It's Philippians 3, 13, and 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And we've heard this before too in here. But he's talking about how he proceeds as a believer in Jesus. Now, Paul had a lot to repent for. And we've talked about that before. But this is what he says. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it right? Meaning perfection. He says, I've not yet been made perfect in Jesus, and I know that, but this is what I do. One thing, Paul says, I do. Forgetting what is behind me, I strain forward toward, toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize, listen, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You forgive yourself not because it's something you know it's a good idea, but because this is the normative behavior for believers in Jesus that when Jesus says forgiven, it's forgiven. And we just lean into the future, forgetting what is behind us and pressing on toward the goal of perfection. How tragic that Christ would die to forgive our sins, to have us huddled in a corner saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and not pursuing him. How tragic. We should be leaning forward toward Christ as we forget the past and press on to the future. I'm going to share one other word from you today. It's from 1 John. It's the opening words in 1 John 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. I believe that's correct. nope that is not it <laughs> that's a great verse though I'll read it you know yet I am writing you a new command we've heard of us is truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the light is shining anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother lives in darkness wow there you go right you're still living in darkness if you haven't forgiven so there's three, three reasons here, three ways, right, that we forgive ourselves. And the first is that we accept Christ's forgiveness. And I mean more than just we did it once, but we accept it, we believe it. And every day we remind ourselves that we are new in Jesus Christ and that we are forgiven. And then we can lean forward forgetting what is behind And the second, we've talked about this as well, is that we continually confess our wrongs to Him because we follow a God who knows everything anyway. And therefore, the only person we could ever deceive is ourselves. Do you understand that? The only person we can truly ever deceive is ourselves. You cannot deceive God. And so we confess our wrong to him. And then the third is this, that we forgive ourselves and we just let it go. We just let it go. I want you to practice this with me today too. I want you to say this. I want you to say, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. You feel that? I forgive myself. Do you harbor hurts and pains that Jesus died for do you hold on to them in spite of what he has done just like forgiving others this takes repetition takes being before our Lord and repeating to ourselves that we are forgiven in him Colossians, back in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Verses 13 and 14. This is what Jesus, this is what the word shares with us. When you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, that means that the ugly, nasty parts of your heart wasn't yet cut away, right? At that place, before all, all that stuff was in there, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with all of its regulations, and that was against us. That stood opposed to us. He took that all away, nailing it to the cross. This is the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And I don't know if you're like me, where you need to remember these things. Maybe where you need to remind someone else of this truth in their life, that if they follow, if they know, if they've accepted Jesus, they're forgiven. I'm going to ask that you would pray with me right now. And then we're going to have Dan come back and share with us via music. But I really want you to spend some time here with the Lord. Join me in prayer. Father, today we've heard this truth that only you proclaim. That we can't earn our way out. We can't do enough right stuff to make up for our wrongs. Today, Father, as we stand before you, the Holy God of the universe, I pray you would just put in our soul in a deep place that we're forgiven in Jesus that when a tempter would come and lie and say, you still got to make up for that. You still got to pay. We would say, Ted, let's die. It's paid in full. Father, we confess today to you that we don't get it right. We get it wrong. But we know your son died because you loved us so much. And then we ask for you to a, Allow us to share that healing in our lives with other people that we could say, in Jesus, you're forgiven. Your word says that your own son said, where are the accusers? I don't accuse you either. And after what he did on the cross, Father, I ask that you remove those areas that we'd rather hold on to than let go. Be glorified through what your Son and our Savior has done. And we thank you for meeting us right where we are today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you know who Pastor uh, Ravi Zacharias is. He's a great thinker, a great man of God. Someone who just says he's just a beggar who found bread. But he shared this poem, and I was so struck by it. It's not his work. He says, I think it's a poem called Little Leaf, and it was written by a grade school teacher. And it sums up how we come to God. And this is what the poem says He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took this sheet, all soiled and blotted, I gave him a new one, unspotted. And into his tired heart, I cried. Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. And the day was done. Have you a new day for me, master? I've spoiled this one. And he took my day, all soiled and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And into my tired heart, he cried. Do better now, my child. My prayer for you is that in the cross of Christ you find forgiveness and you apply it to your life. Amen. So the family challenge this week is a few things. Spend some time alone and and just just think about those things maybe you're harboring. But the practice is really going to be in forgiving others. Forgiving others. And so that's the challenge for you this week is that you would practice forgiving others. That you would practice forgiving others. And in the same way you would practice forgiving yourselves.